everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to PRSL Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando and we're on episode 307. Yeah, 307. And, uh, you know, we're, we're like into it now. Remember we were like coming up on episode 300 yeah. and it was like, man, we're almost to 300. Now we're like, we're in 300s now. Like there's no turning back. Yeah, we're in a weird place where I actually like going back and listening to the old episodes because I'm like, I can't believe. Well, <laughs> part of it too is like we have we have a couple people on our Discord. Yeah, that's what got me yeah, listening to it. They'll occasionally like point out something from an older episode and it's like, yeah, I should go back and listen. And it's like, oh man, we, we've definitely changed. And we've actually had episodes where we've talked about ways we've changed over the years. And uh, But unless you actually go back and listen, that's one of the cool things about like documenting what we're doing is we can always go back. And and, and that kind of ties into uh, our episode today, which we're going to be talking about uh, the slow and steady win the reselling race. And, and part of it is like looking back and saying, wow, like four years, three, four years, like that was a long time ago. And there have been changes, but they weren't like all immediate overnight changes. Like oh, there was a like lot of fails in between. Fails, but then like incremental improvements. And then you can look and mm -hmm. say like, in the moment, it's like, man, there hasn't been a ton of change. But then when you look back over four years, you're like, oh man, like things have definitely improved. Oh, They've changed. Uh, so yeah, today we're talking about uh, does slow and steady win the reselling race? And by the way, if you're wondering like, where did I catch the older episodes? Maybe you're on Spotify and you can't catch episodes one through 199, I think. Mm. Just jump on over to any other platform. It's on there. There was this weird transition that happened. They just didn't make it on Spotify. Yeah, I don't know. So. I don't know what, what some weird thing happened for sure with the Spotify. Uh, and I don't know how to uh, fix that without like totally changing all of the other episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not doable. You can go to YouTube. I mean, they're all on YouTube. Yeah, they're all on YouTube. So you can definitely find them. Um, we're not, we don't a lot of podcasts and part of it is because it's expensive to, to upload podcasts. There, yep. there are now programs that will do things for free, but then you're limited uh, on stuff. And so because of people like you who support us, we're able to keep our entire our entire our library our library is, is open a lot of times podcasts that i even ones i enjoy like you go back and it's like they only have the most recent like 20 episodes yeah, because yeah. it's expensive to store episodes on you know servers and things like that so again thank you to all of our, our listeners who over the last 307 episodes have have supported us and helped us get to this point all right so the reason i i thought about this was because you know i i, I think about i was you know getting nostalgic and listening to older episodes and I remember right away, you know, when I left my full-time position as in being an educator and to full-time reselling, I was thinking back, like, I could not have done this right away. Like, there, there's no way I could have just one day said, you know, I'm done with this and then started hitting the bins or the thrift stores or getting pallets and doing reselling. So I'm a big believer that slow and steady does win the race, but I thought maybe in this conversation, you, maybe you might push back or maybe we we're just in full agreement. Maybe you, as you're listening, you, you'll push back and go Orlando. No, like you can quickly source a bunch of items. You can list them. It's all, all depends on your hustle. And that may be true. That may be true, but I do believe the safest way to grow in reselling is slow and steady. And I'm not talking about like sloth slow. I'm talking about, you know, I don't know, so somewhere in between sloth and the hair. Yeah, it's 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 incremental improvement, right? Like I, I've I've heard phrases, and I think it's true. 
Uh, you you never you can never stay in the same place. You're either improving or you're moving backwards. Like the whole idea of like you you just stayed neutral for periods of time, whether that's like in your 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 physique with your diet, whether it's with your business, whether it's with your personal finances, you're either improving or you're getting worse. And a lot of times it happens at such a micro level that you're not noticing mm-hmm. like, hey, today I'm such a small amount better, such a small amount worse that it could feel like you're at the same place. Uh, but but the reality is if you and we see this with so many examples. Like I, I, people might be getting uh, annoyed by the fact that I always mention things like diet and exercise, but I think it's such a perfect analogy with business because if you look at the people who try and like crash diet, mm-hmm. and they, they yeah. a lot of times will have success. Yeah, that's that's been me for yeah. like a decade. You can you two can decades. you can lose fifty pounds in a couple of months by like starving yourself and not actually like learning the best process for working out and eating. Or you got another person who took five times as long to lose that same amount or 10 times as long to lose that same amount, but throughout they were learning things. And I think that's the same thing with business is you can, you can try and, and crash your way through growth in business, but you might actually get to a point where you're not prepared for the place that you get to. You're not actually capable of handling the books. You're not capable of handling the inventory, the shipping, because you haven't learned along the way. Whereas if you're growing slowly, you're actually, uh, you're preventing yourself from from growing too fast and being in a place where like people who win the lottery, I think money's another good example. How many people who win the lottery, you mm-hmm. know, five years down the road are bankrupt and worse off than they started? Because it's different when you just are given a ton of money right up front, as opposed to over years and years and years, you learned how to handle money as you gain that money. So well, I remember my first few years in education when I would get a Christmas bonus instead of using that money to invest or, you know, being smart about it, just, Ended up just spending a bunch of money on the credit card going, oh, we'll pay back the credit card. Mm. And then, it, then that money was gone. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk about is the first thing about slow and steady. What it allows you to do is preserve your capital. It's good. Because I see, uh, you know, this happens to everyone. I'm guilty of it. I probably have out of the almost 3,500 items in my store, I would say probably five to 700 of them were, were just items I should have never bought. Yeah. Not great buys. Not great buys. And Why? Because instantly I was like, I got to go out there. I got to, I got to source. If, if it makes profit, I'm going to pick it up. You know, I don't care if, you know, there's 10 of them listed and only one of them sold. It eventually will sell. And I would always say that to myself. It's so good. I mean, think about the very first time I went to garage sales, even before I went with you, I went one other time on my own. Um, I mean, I've been to garage sales in my life, but I mean, at, with the idea of I'm going to be a reseller. Mm-hmm. And I went with, I think, $30, like 20 or $30 in my pocket. And now I look back, I'm like, that's nothing to take to a garage sale. Mm-hmm. But had I have, had somebody have said, here's $2,000, I want you to go buy as much inventory as you can so that you can build this reselling business. If I was like, I have this money and I want to, I want to get to where Orlando's at today. Can you imagine the stuff I would have bought the first yeah, day at I garage know, sales? If I, I was like, well, I've got $2,000, so I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that. And I would have blown through that money. And then, yeah, looking back, a lot of those things would have been bad buys. Or I would have spent too much on the wrong type of shipping supplies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would have bought shipping supplies and then been like, wait a minute. That's not the best method of shipping. Yeah, you would have bought item. your Rolo. You would have bought your or, nice SLR camera. You would have bought, you know, like the photo booth. Like everything, which in time, there's a place to buy right. them. But if you're buying everything right away, and let's say you don't even have money to buy any more inventory, that's all your money that's tied up. Yep. Right. You don't want to do that. And uh, I even Amazon, it's very dangerous. I think uh, you and I experienced that a little bit with those dolls that we bought the first year of the podcast mm-hmm. yep. where I really wanted Mike to scale really fast. And so I gave him an idea and it had worked for me, 
But I, if I were to replay that, and I hate telling Mike this, I probably would have told Mike, like, don't buy as much as you can. Like, buy maybe a quarter, feel the market, and see how it goes. Yeah. Well, luckily, I have the mindset of that was still a learning experience for me, and I yeah. learned a lot from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the beautiful things, think about how long is is college for the average person? If you're just going for a bachelor's, four years, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're going for a graduate degree, you're looking at six years plus. So the average person to learn the field they're supposed to go into, and that doesn't even include on the job training, which you have to do for a year or so after anyways, or more, depending on the job you go into. So you're looking anywhere from four to like seven, eight years of learning the field that you're going to be doing in your life. Yeah. And reselling is kind of that way. The lucky thing is, instead of paying for you know $20,000 a year for tuition, that's money that I'm spending. So even if I made a $1,000 mistake early on in my reselling, yeah. at least I learned from it. But can you imagine if it was a $20,000 mistake well, the first I know. year? And I, I've had earlier on in Amazon when I was really trying to scale my Amazon business, I'd go into a store and I, I didn't understand all the complications of the fact that you know Amazon can get on the listing, Amazon Warehouse can get on the listing, you can get gated even though you've been ungated. Uh, you have at the at that time, cook groups weren't that big, but now a cook group could destroy your listing like automatically. It just get the lead gets on that cook group, thirty people jump on it and things get destroyed. And so at that earlier on in my Amazon, I, I used to be able to you know I, I could run risk, but I wouldn't do it anymore. Where I would go into a store and I drop two to three thousand dollars. I remember one Black Friday, I think it was the first year of the podcast, maybe yeah. I dropped three K at a Walmart and everything seemed good. And then overnight that listing got flooded. And that was one of the first lessons I learned that, okay, I, I can't go after black Friday items cause I'll lose money. Now, if you're a new reseller, you're maybe watching on Instagram and you're seeing all these people, you picking up black Friday deals, not understanding that they are veteran resellers that they understood that they need to do merchant fulfilled the moment they pick it up and they need to sell it before the morning, which a lot of people do. Right. But you might be new and you see people do all these things and they go in and they, you know, on eBay, let's say they get a a thousand shoe haul. Right. And they're like, Oh, I I got these thousand shoes. I paid, you know, 3000 for these thousand dollars of shoes, but I'll be able to double my money, which for them is okay because they probably have another 20, 30, 40 K. They probably have the storage, right to handle all that but you might be a brand new reseller and like you said let's say you had that you know imagine imaginary two thousand one thousand dollars that thousand dollars might take you a year to make back if you're not wise about that call yeah and that kind of is we're already in some ways talking about the next point of of what it what this prevents growing slowly helps prevent other mistakes because we've Mm -hmm. been talking a little bit about the financial capital but there's other aspects of it too. Like think about how important your, your eBay reputation is, your businesses or your Amazon reputation is. So if you were to get a haul like that, let's say, you know, I've over the years learned how to ship electronics. Over the years, I've learned how to ship breakables. There have been a couple of breakables I've shipped that have broken because I wasn't quite as experienced as I am now. But imagine if I was starting out, I grew really fast and I was able to buy a hundred pieces of really breakable things and they're hot, they're moving quick. And I sold 30 of them in the first week. Mm-hmm. And I package them. And of those 30, let's say half of them broke. There goes my eBay store, yeah. right? Like, I, how, do, how do I recover from that? That's not just a financial mistake, but that's, I'm going to have to start all over. I mean, that's got the whole nightmare. And can you easily do that? And what about tracking your IPs? And can you, so there's a whole thing involved of, it prevents other mistakes. When you have a shipping mistake, and even if you have to eat a hundred bucks, man, that was a lesson you learned. But if you repeat that 
30 times, 40 times, 50 times in the course of a month before you've learned, oh, this is how I should ship it. Mm -hmm. You could have, you know, uh, almost damage to your reputation as a business or even just the, I, I can't do this. How do I, and, and you burn out and you're done. So there's, there's shipping things you have to learn. I mean, when I first started selling, I was actually taking my items into the post office and, you know, weighing it at the machine and taking the time. Yeah, and and I can only imagine if I hadn't learned how to do pirate ship and how to print my own labels and how to package. That takes time to learn. And you can learn all those things, but you still haven't learned maybe estimating shipping costs. One of the first uh, things that I sold that I lost money on was a, a, a turntable, a record turntable. And I underestimated what shipping was going to cost. And I was brutal. Like I got hit hard on that. I mean, looking back, losing $30 on an item isn't the end of the world. But when you're a new reseller and you're like, yeah, I sold this thing for 80 bucks plus $25 shipping. And then you realize, oh, it's going to cost me like 60 bucks to ship this. And then by the time I buy the shipping supply, like it's, it's a big wake up to have. And if, I'm glad I learned that mistake. I had that mistake and I learned from it once in that period of time, as opposed to having to learn that 40 times and it's done. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because on our discord, I can't tell you, I mean, it's, I've been a lot of times, but it's been more than I expected where somebody would message us or say something like, Hey, Orlando, I picked up all these items and I found out that you can't sell it on eBay. Mm. Or I found out that I'm gated on Amazon. I don't know what to do. And, and that happens, you know, pretty frequently if you're, you're brand new in the sense that, especially on Amazon, right? You see these gurus and they're out there and they're like scanning CDs and CDs is a pretty tough place to get ungated in, or they're, you know, they're scanning food and, and there's a whole process to being ungated in foods. And so they see this and they go in and they'll drop hundreds of dollars. Right. And they're like, and they, they, you know, they don't think about the fact that they may be gated. They don't think about the fact that there's expiration dates. They don't think about the competition and they'll come back and it's a major mistake. Right. And they, they may walk away from reselling. Right. Because after that, they're like, I, I can't do this. Like, this is my first try and I'm done. And so that's part of the issue is that, you know, slow and steady, I truly believe prevents you from being overwhelmed and burnt out. I, I listen, we've been on this podcast for over four years. Right, we're, this is year five now, right? Correct. Uh, I'm not 100 sure. I think it's like 20. It was 2018 when we started. Was it? it something wow. like that. So I was looking at at in our old episodes, episode uno, episode uno. And listen, I would say probably 25 percent of the people on Instagram that we used to interact with or followed, they're gone. Just gone. And it could be for various reasons. Maybe may not have been burnout. Maybe it was you know they decided change of circumstances. Yeah, change of circumstances. Maybe they scaled up. Maybe you know. They bought a bunch of Ethereum at, you know, under $100. Who, who knows what it is, right? But I can tell you a lot of them have burned out. I have some in mind right now. Specifically, I can think about where they were making YouTube videos. They were scaling. But they were, I felt they were moving too fast. And yeah, did it get the clicks on the YouTube video? Sure, it did. Did it, did it get the following on the Instagram? It did. But over time, it just became too much. They, they got they got tired of it. Right. They thought they were going to be the shoe seller. They thought they were going to be the electronic seller. They thought they were going to, you know, you know, make these videos and, and buy, you know, 10 pallets of stuff. And after a while, they're just like, oh, it's too much of a hustle. And and eBay is a hustle. Yeah. Uh, and, and Amazon is a hustle. They're both hustles. But it's a good thing to know what to expect, right? Like even something like taking a vacation. The first time we took vacation, kind of put our store in vacation mode, or it just extended the handling time was probably that what we did. Mm -hmm. We had under 100 items in our store. 
So we understood at that point, like, okay, how much does our sales drop? What is it like when we come home and we were still getting sales and now we were used to only shipping maybe like one item every couple of days. And now we're shipping 10 items that have to go out tonight. Mm -hmm. Right. So you do that one time. You're like, okay, like this is what I have to experience. Then the next time you go on a vacation like that, or you, you like flash sell your store and you put a bunch of stuff on discount, you recognize, okay, if I happen to sell 20 items in one day, I can estimate how much time it's going to take me to ship this. So before I make that decision, before we pull that trigger, my wife and I can look at each other and say, all right, it's going to probably, if everything goes as planned, it's probably going to take us eight hours to pack, ship, find, get to the store, all the things we have to do if we do this flash sale. Do we have that time available tomorrow? Mm-hmm. But if you're new and you haven't experienced that a couple of times at, at smaller amounts, then the first time you do that, and next thing you know, you're up all night long packing mm-hmm. and you're like, I, I can't do this. This is too much. And, and even if it's not a lifetime of burnout where you're like, I'm done reselling, but just that instant hit that can be to your reselling experience in that moment of this is too hard. Like maybe I'm going to keep going on reselling, but now you're defeated. So now when you go sourcing, you don't have that joy of like, all right, look at what I'm getting in the back of your head. You're thinking, yeah. oh my gosh, shipping and selling. And instead of having like a healthy understanding of what it's going to take, you almost have fear. And I think you're, you're much better off with a, a respect of what reselling takes rather than a outright fear. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I, if I go and I, I buy a big bulk buy of something, there's a certain level of respect there of, of, of understanding and, and it's fear in, in the, in that sense of like a respect, you know what I'm saying? Of, yeah, yeah, this is, fear. Yeah, this is what it, it's going it. to take to, to clean these items, list these items, picture these items, ship these items, store these items. Am I capable of doing it? I already have an understanding and I can make that decision as opposed to you've been burnt multiple times in the last couple of months. You see that and you're just like, nope, nope. And you walk away, even mm-hmm. if it is manageable, but you're so like anxious about the, the, the process of it that you don't even take it on. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's just, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people and, and they've messaged me on Instagram. They're like, Hey, Orlando, I'm closing my eBay store. I have 700 items. I have 800 items. I have a thousand items. And I move too fast. I don't even like the stuff I sourced. I have 20, 30 VCRs. I knew there was money in VCRs, but I don't even want to test them. Uh, do you want to buy? Right. Do you want to buy the store? And and we get, I would say at least once a week, a mess, some kind of message about, hey, do you want to buy this stuff from me? I'm closing my store and so on. And, and usually I don't take them on because I've I've learned that I myself, unless I'm really interested, right? So if you have like a, you know, a 90s video game store that shut down and you want to sell it to me, I'd buy. Right. But if it's like, hey, I have a, a 90s used electronics full of DVD players and VCRs. Are you interested? I'm going to go. No, like I, I don't want to deal with it. Right. And so you you really got to be careful because it, it's very easy to go. This is profitable. This is profitable. I'm going to pick this up. I'm going to pick this up. I saw this YouTube and this guy, he makes thousands of dollars selling electronics and I'm just going to source electronics. And you might in the beginning go, wow, there's good money. But after a week of it, after two weeks of it, after three weeks of it, you might be done. Or it could be clothing, right? You see these individual, you know, vintage sellers, they make a killing, right? They make a full-time living, they're traveling, they're going to trade shows, you know, and you're like, I want to be one of those people. And then you realize after a while, like you, you sourced a thousand vintage teas from a wholesale distributor. And it's grimy and it's gross and you hate the smell in your house and and you hate taking measurements and you hate dealing with messages. And so I'm a big believer that 
slow and steady allows you to grow. And one of the ways that you can be helped is by joining our Patreon. So if you haven't joined our Patreon, which allows you to jump onto our Discord, I strongly encourage you to. We're we're growing. We're at about, uh, you know, we're getting closer to the 200. Right. And so really want to be able to grow that even more in the sense that, you know, everybody that's in there has a buy-in, right? So it's only five fifty-five a month. It's not that much. And automatically you're, you're going to, you're going to, you're bound to make money, right? Whether it's learning how to ship better, learning how to source better, hustle the week, just, just having community, someone just to community, to. somebody to vent to getting therapy for five fifty-five a month, whatever it is, it, it's great. And the beauty of this discord, it's not a cook group. And so you know, if, if there's not too many people on a certain bolo there, you know, we don't do like the hot retail stuff. And so it doesn't matter. Somebody's like, Hey, be on the lookout for, you know, one of the hustle of the week today is going to be the set of uh care bear glass glasses, right? It's not going to flood the market, right? It's not going to, it's not going to kill it. And so it's a great place to be. It's a thriving community. Uh, Mike and I love the interaction all the time. I love how you and I are there at different times. You're there at like at five forty in the morning or yeah. something. I'm there at like two thirty in the morning, but that's because I stay up late and you wake up early. Yeah. You're getting the late stuff. I'm getting the morning stuff. And and there's honestly there's days where I'll go a couple of days where I'm not even able to interact. I'm still reading stuff, but I've got other things going on. And th- what I love about the community is. If you're hoping to just have a place where it's like, hey, I'm going to Mike Orlando's online school, that's not what no. this is, right? So no. this is not us teaching classes, uh, though we do, you know, have we'll answer questions, and, and yeah. questions we answer and even like ideas and hey, here's something that we discovered. But it's even if I'm not there and you're not there for a time, there's still interaction happening. People are talking to each other. They're sharing bubbles. They're answering questions. And that's what we wanted to develop. We wanted to develop a community because we know we have uh, the best listeners, like the people who are listening to Pierce podcast, the people who recognize I, I, the people who come to Pierce podcast aren't looking for the get rich quick stuff. Mm-hmm. And if they are, if that's what they're looking for, if they're hoping to buy their Lambo next week, they listen to a couple episodes and they bounce, you know, they're not right, becoming right. a patron member. So the people who are in our community are the ones that recognize this is, this is a grind. This is work. So we love it. We thank you guys. And again, some people, there are a lot of people who don't interact on a regular basis on just the discord fine. and they're there and they're just learning or they're yeah. just supporting us. And like I said, at the beginning, it is expensive. What we do um, besides just the time Orlando, Orlando and I spend on the podcast, giving up time, reselling time with our family, those things, uh, just having the camera equipment, the memory cards, uploading the stuff, the, the subscriptions to the programs we need in order to upload podcasts and edit podcasts and those things take money. And so those of you who are supporting us are keeping us in the model where we can give our content for free and we're not having to say, here's 10 minutes of our episode. If you want the real stuff, pay. So thank you for those of you who continue <laughs> to support us. Yeah. So go down to the link, patreon.com slash Pierce podcast and uh, join our community. Yeah. Now, what, what does slow and steady allow you to do? Okay. Well, first of all, it allows you to learn where to source and what to source. And what I mean by that is, Initially, you don't want to have those huge bulk buys, right? Initially, you kind of want to feel things out because something that initially you were like, oh, you know, I really like sourcing this within a month of taking pictures and packing it and shipping it and maybe dealing with returns. You're kind of like, you know what? I'm glad I only have like two or three of these instead of a thousand of these, right? Because again, if you have a thousand of those and you're miserable with two or three, yeah, you're probably going to be done reselling. Right. It, it also allows you to find out what's valuable. 
Right. And so one of the reasons I've been doing a lot more bulk buys. So, you know, like this last uh, weekend, I, I'll talk about this next week, but I missed out on a major bolo. But I scored a room full of Padres uh, gear, San Diego Padres jerseys, ticket stubs, bobbleheads, you name it. And I had no problem going in there and just like grabbing stuff off the racks and just grabbing everything I can because I knew the value of that stuff. I knew that. No matter what, when I go home, I'm going to realize I've F10X my money, right? But had I not, had I not been reselling for four or five years and picked up, you know, memorabilia here and there, it's very possible I could have gone in that room and just picked up a bunch of stuff that wasn't very valuable, yeah. right? Because I, I hadn't learned that lesson. I think back to when I first started reselling and there's still, I, I still scan a lot of things that I still look up probably most things mm -hmm. that I'm like actually end up buying and selling. I still do too. Um, however, when I first started, I would, I would spend time just basically scanning or looking up almost everything. I had to learn what brands sold, what brands didn't sell within those brands. Why did they sell? Uh, what about, you know, cause yeah, you can look at like a mug and be like, Oh, this is cool. An old 49ers mug. But then you realize it's just like the Chotsky thing they gave out and everybody has one. Like yeah. It's not the yeah. expensive one. It's like, Oh, there's a difference between that mug and the one that's like, a special vintage one or one that was like a, a, a unique thing. So the more you scan and, and it takes time, it's, it really, there is no shortcut. That's what I love about reselling. Now, again, you, there are things you can do to shorten the amount. It's the same thing. I, I'll, I'll bring it back to the fitness thing. When you see somebody with like a really good physique, you knew they had to work really hard to get there. Now, there are some people it's like, okay, maybe they take steroids. Maybe they, they still had to put work in it. It took years and years to get to that point. And it's the same thing with reselling because it's a knowledge-based thing. There is no shortcut. I can't take somebody who's never resold anything unless they're already into a hobby. Like I know a guy who's like really into RC stuff. I know a guy who's really into, you know, I was really into cameras. So that was easier for me. So if you're already into a hobby, you put that time in. Mm -hmm. But if you're just coming out, this isn't the matrix. I can't just upload a chip to your head and say, now you know what to yeah. resell. You have to spend the time watching the YouTube videos, searching through eBay, scanning the items. And the more you do that, now I can walk into a thrift store and I'm not scanning everything. I'm only like looking at like, I've, I've already scanned these types of items. I've already seen these books. I've already looked at these brands of clothes and they don't sell. Oh, I've never actually seen this brand before. Now I'm going to scan that one. Or I've already sold three of these in the last couple of years and they sell like hotcakes and I just grab it and I don't even have to scan it. Mm -hmm. So that only comes from time. There is no shortcut to that. There's, I say no shortcut. There, you, there's things you can do to shorten the time it takes to learn it, but there's no way to get there without putting in some amount of time, some amount of energy. You can buy a course, you can listen to Peer Hustle Podcast and you're going to be better off listening to Peer Hustle Podcast when you go out sourcing than if you had not listened to Piero's podcast, right? There's things you can do that'll make it easier. Like, oh, I've heard those bolos before. I've heard those hustles. So there are ways you can spend your time, but no matter what, you're going to have to spend the time. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's one of those things that show, and I know you hate the word discipline, but it's those- I don't hate it anymore. It, oh, good. Well, it's going on, uh, So that it's those who are willing to like over time be disciplined. And, and I think going slow takes a certain amount of self-control and discipline because mm -hmm. there is that 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 attitude or that, that temptation to say, I am going to just, I'm going to go full tilt. I'm going full time in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to buy all this stuff and then I'm going to be good as opposed to say, you know what? I'm willing to grind out the nine to five for another year or two while I'm learning these niches and can it sustain me full time before I quit my job? It takes a lot of self-control when you're over your nine to five and you can't, you're tired of working for the man and you've already had a little bit of success reselling. Like it takes a lot of self-control to say, you know what? I'm going to actually make sure I have a year's worth of, of data 
and I want to make sure the data prove that I can I can sustain reselling not just Q4 but Q1 and Q2 and Q3. What mar- does my niche niche drop at a certain point of the year? You need to it, only time and experience can give you that. But those who are willing to do that and put that time in, you are going to have success. And most people aren't willing to say hey, a year later, I'm 5% better in my business than I was last year. Mm-hmm. Most people want to see 70% growth, 100% growth. But if you have 5 to 10% growth year over year, you're going to outpace your, your competition because your competition is going to be gone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. agree. And we've seen that. I mean, we're, we're, we've now been, we've been in the social media space, you know, for five years. And, and here's the thing. Most people, I, this is the way it used to be. So in the early days of YouTube, when Craigslist Hunter was around, uh, Bonafide Hustler back in the day. He's still on there making videos, College Picker. Like all those guys, they were reselling for a while before they ever made any YouTube videos. What I find now is there are brand new people and they're not just saying, hey, we're going to document what we're doing. They're just like, this is how you become a great reseller. And it's like, uh, you've only been reselling for maybe a year. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, can you learn really quick uh, how to resell? Well, yeah, you can. I think that you can expedite things. But I get scared. This is let me, I'm just giving you an example of what scares me is when people think they know how to source and they don't. I, sometimes I'll, I'll talk about uh, wholesale vintage dealers, and I have been I've been to a few, and all the time people hit me up like, "Hey, you know, uh, I didn't know these existed, and and are these out here?" And and recently, an Instagram account had dropped every single one in the country, right? And the few things you need to understand with those companies, yes. Do they have the ability to sort through everything they pick up? No, they don't. They don't. Right. But here, here's the thing. You also have to understand that whenever larger wholesale distributors are trying to offload stuff, they're trying to offload the stuff that isn't as profitable. Right. There, there is, there is cherry picking that happens, right. Just with, with all kinds of businesses. Right. And so when somebody's like, Oh yeah, you know, I, I'm so excited. I bought a thousand Harley tees from this company and they're coming in next week. And I'm like, all right, I hope the cost was low because they may, they may find that one Harley T that's worth three to 500, but they may find another hundred in there. That's only worth like five bucks or they can't even sell it. Right. So you, you need to be careful. And so if you're slowly doing it, if you're slowly, you know, going to garage sales, going to the thrift, uh, doing your research on therapy or on eBay, whatever way you figure things out. If you're slowly, if you're building that knowledge base that Mike talked about, then you can make the big buys Then you can go, you know what? I'm going to drop this amount of money, but I'm pretty sure with 25% of the inventory, I'll make all my money back. And after that, it doesn't matter. I don't have my money tied up. But if you're brand new and capital is an issue and you decide I'm going to go all in, it's, 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 a little, it's a little risky, a little risky. Now, the other thing is it also allows you to learn how to ship. And we've talked about this a few, th- a few times already in this podcast, but yeah, here, here's the thing. I think that shipping is one of the number one obstacles uh, to being successful as a reseller because you can't scale. I mean, you could list all day, but if shipping, shipping can take time, right? Uh, you know, I, I have mentioned before where I can, you know, ship a good amount of like 20 items in 30 minutes. And some people are like, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, you can. If it's clothing and you have poly bags and, and you do, you know, bulk shipping labels and all that, you, you can do it, but it takes time. But if you're doing electronics, like you had said, if you're doing valuables, if, if you don't know how to float a box, 
right? If you check out our floor box video on YouTube, if you, it's an old what we're talking about. If you, if you don't know how to, uh, you know, ship a mug, if you don't know how to, uh, ensure that corners of a VCR don't get slammed in the process or estimate the cost of shipping. A lot of times, you know, if you're doing something like free shipping or building it in, maybe it's easy, but even if you're doing, uh, the, the estimated or the calculated shipping, Unless you actually pack the item first into the size of the box, you might be off on box size. Mm -hmm, you might mm -hmm. be off on weight unless you actually weight it with the shipping material. So you, until you learn to estimate those things, you're going to run into issues. So slowly doing it kind of lets you get closer. Yeah, once to you're Tuesday here, like you saw a big item one time, you're like, oh, okay, I know how to do this. I've, uh, I haven't talked about them, but there's a uh, there's these reseller flea market filters, and they like they know how to like build shipping crates for like stuff like i saw a tiktok they they had a harley sign probably the size of this wall mm. and they knew the guy knew how to like build like a crate to like ship it like you imagine like i i, I mean i'm the kind of person that probably would buy that harley sign just because it's cool but i gotta tell you how much time would i waste because i am not i'm not a construction kind of guy and so i would probably lose a ton of money because i have to find somebody to build the crate for it, I have to figure. I'd have to contact, you know, somebody who does freight. It'd be it'd be a beast, right? But if uh, freight, for example, like we get questions on the Discord about freight. How do I do freight, or how do I? Uh, there's like white glove service where people come to your door and they pick it up. And how do you get it from point A to point B if it's a huge item? And you know, you you in the beginning, I got to tell you, furniture is one of those things that does not get sourced very much, uh, as far as when you go to a garage sales, unless you know, there it's furniture that it's easily transportable, like in a truck, right? Because, you know, we, we see people pick up things in trucks all the time, but there's a lot of money in furniture, but you could, you know, end up sourcing like 10 pieces of furniture this way. And it all, <laughs> Mike wants me back in the camera, yeah. camera zone. Uh, and you don't know how to ship them and they'll just sit and they'll just sit and you'll have a ton of money just tied up. And then you might try to ship it and you incorrectly weigh it or you use the wrong carrier and you might be out a few hundred dollars. But if you do or it one more. or more, if but if you do one or two at a time and you get the hang of it, eventually you will improve. Yeah. And uh, the last thing we're going to talk about with what it what it allows um, before we get after our hustle week, we're going to talk about when it might be useful to speed up. And this one, I think, kind of leads into that because you got to learn this first. I kind of look at it like infrastructure. You got to build the infrastructure. So when you start slowly, you're learning how to organize. You're learning how to scale. You're learning how to ship. You're learning how to organize things. I mean, all of the there's so much that goes involved into running a business. And I almost look at it like building the infrastructure of anything. Maybe it's maybe it's a highways or maybe it's railroads. Think about the years and years it took and people planning of like, how many people do we expect to ride on these roads? How wide do the roads need to be? How many feet of track do we need? Where are the stops? Like all the things it took to lay those tracks in the first place. But then once they're laid, then you can start really moving. Mm -hmm. Then you can say, okay, now we can move X amount of product. We can double the amount of product we have without actually changing anything because we have the infrastructure. And when you move slowly, it allows you to build that infrastructure. You can't build like, what's the saying? Like Rome wasn't built overnight. Um, you can't, you can't, build a cathedral overnight. You can't build a massive infrastructure system. I mean, Amazon, when it first started out, was basically just books. But what they were doing was building an infrastructure to be able to manage in a warehouse, to ship, to do the inventory, to do all of the logistics. They're basically were a logistic company that started with books. And they could slowly add more things and scale and grow to what Amazon is today, which is a monolith of a company. I mean, there's nothing that... I don't think there's anything that even compares. 
no. to what Amazon is. I mean, Walmart is like the brick and mortar version ish, but it's still not even close. So when you look at that, though, they didn't just say like, hey, we got Amazon. We've already got a little bit of a logistical company. Let's sell everything. Even though they wanted to really be the everything mm-hmm. store, mm-hmm. they focused to start with on books. Why? So they could build the infrastructure. How many warehouses do we need? What kind of what kind of inventory uh, can we store? Where where are we going to have the 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 trucks come in? Hey, we've got a big enough warehouse now. Now we can add a new product type. Mm-hmm. So they had to build the infrastructure first. And we're watching like live. Like sometimes I think back to like our grandparents or our great grandparents generation. Like what that would have been like to watch things like roads really being built. Like freeways and things like that. Like we almost just get to benefit from, Hey, the power lines already ran. Mm-hmm. The roads are already here. We don't have to it's build. It's kind of wild things. to think about that. Right. It's, everything's already set up for us. But there are, there are things that we're watching the infrastructure grow, right? Like uh, electric vehicles with things like charging stations and batteries and the internet and infrastructures had to slowly build the internet. When it first came out, couldn't handle high speed things that we're dealing with. It took time to build that infrastructure. And when you are, reselling when you're buying things you're really doing that you almost have to think of your business as i have to build the infrastructure that potentially can handle even more workload if you've got the space hey over time i i bought a storage unit that was big enough and or i built a a big enough place on my property something like that well now that i have this i'm capable of scaling but before i scale i need to figure out how what is my organization system going to look like about bookkeeping, mm-hmm. right? All of those things you've got to figure out. You've got to develop. Hey, if I already know that that every other week on Wednesday, I sit down and I go through every item I sold, I go through the receipts, I put it in a folder, I've got digital copies. That's how my bookkeeping works. Hey, now you can scale and not have to worry about the bookkeeping on it. Yeah. But if you're just going from, hey, I sold 50 items last year to now I want to sell 10,000 items, you're going to have a nightmare of bookkeeping because you don't already have the structures in place. You don't have the systems ready to go that will support what you need. Well, you know, an example, and I've shared this many times, my first major Toys R Us haul when I was, when I went turned to full time, I bought, I don't know, let's say a thousand, right, pieces at, at a Toys R Us at once. I had never bought a storage unit. I didn't know how to organize. I, I had done a lot of Amazon, but I mainly just did books. And so it ended up, it still was successful in the end. Like you'll send me posts on Instagram, how much money I made on it, but it got kind of, kind of dangerous because I had to literally drive from LA to San Diego, rent a storage unit over the phone, show up, buy shelving, put the shelving together, put everything up. Then I shipped everything to Amazon. And I, within a year, I had to ship everything back to me from Amazon. Cause it just didn't sell. Cause I didn't understand fully the sell through rate on those items. I didn't understand what people were looking for. I didn't understand that it was better for me to store it. I mean, and so I lost hours, hours on that item, right. Where, you know, had I, had I, you know, been smarter about it and, and, you know, at that time I had to move. And so we'll talk about that, that I, I was in a place where I could speed up if I needed to, but could I, if I could have replayed it and I had a little bit of more time, I would have figured out what market what markets were best to sell those items. I would have figured out what best way to, um, you know, organize them because there's a lot of them that got lost and I had to look for them. And here's the thing. If you're brand new to reselling, you can slowly build that inventory. You can start with tote one, two, and three, right? Make sure you put that custom SKU label, right? Because if you're out and you source, let's say, a thousand items and you just start throwing them into totes and they start selling, 
you're going to have a great time trying to find all those items. But if you have it all organized, you figure out your bookkeeping, uh, you, you know, where, you know, what shipping supplies you need to buy ahead of time. That's one big thing I've been able to do recently in this past year is I buy all my shipping supplies ahead of time. And I never stress about where is this box? Where is this poly bag? Do I have enough tape? I have everything I need. I never lose time uh, on shipping. There might be every once in a while we're at the Frankenbox, but that is a rarity. Uh, but again, being slow about moving things, it allows you uh, to stay organized and then you can scale appropriately. It's good. All right. Hey, we're talking about shipping and talking about packing is AmericanBowlBoy.com. Yeah. Best products out there. I would say right now, as you know, we're right around the corner from uh, Q3 and going into Q4. Are we in Q3 right now? We're in Q3, aren't we? Wow. Times are flying. Goes quick. You didn't need that bubble wrap. So if you haven't yet, Best price, best item out there, best shipping, AmericanBowlBoy.com. Go to the link below. Uh, my favorite is always a four uh, foot roll that's about 700 square feet, 750 square feet for about $39.99. Uh, free two-day shipping or next day you could do local pickup. Uh, just check them out. They've been great to us. And uh, you know what? I'm going to contact. I'm going to see if we can get us another coupon code again. Let's do it's been, it. It's been a little bit. So check out AmericanBowlBoy.com. And if you have not been following us on social media, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pure Hustle Podcast, uh, Pure Hustle Podcast, Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. Uh, and you can also uh, give us a call at 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. And you can always shoot us an email at Pure Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. That's Pure Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't jumped over to our YouTube, jump on over. Uh, our hope is to, I want to at least get over 10K by the end of the year. And we're slowly getting there. I feel like things begin to ramp up, mm. right? The higher you get on there. So uh, really looking forward to uh, seeing you guys over here, subscribing. Uh, make sure to hit that bell notification, smash that like button. And also, if you could leave us, we, we already put, right? We have that thing at the beginning. We yeah, call the stinger. Yeah. If you're listening, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you hear a little, hey, uh, please support us by going to leave a, uh, a review on iTunes. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, though, you don't hear that. Uh, you just see the like and subscribe pop up on the screen. But yeah, if you could go over to iTunes and leave us a review, we love the ones where we can actually read it. If you don't have time to write something, you just want to leave us the stars, the five stars that really, really helps get the word out. Uh, but man, when when people write things, it we read them all. We read every review mm -hmm. that comes in. And it's one of those things that keeps us going like, are we making an impact? And it's like, OK, like what we're doing is it's helping people. And so we keep going. And I want to say thank you because we have had like a buildup, a swelling of reviews on our Apple iTunes and really appreciate that. So just want to share like three of them. Keep it short here. We I got one from uh, the Chunkasaurus and said, making money, $1,000 so far. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Hey, yeah. Maybe you got a bolo or something. That's a great return there. on investment. Uh, and then uh, here, I'll read a longer one here. <laughs> this is from uh, Secondhand Solo. said, uh, Pure Hustle Podcast is truly one of the best reselling related podcasts out there. I'm here to reselling. I have found that Mike and Orlando are very informative with a lot of knowledge. I also appreciate the difference in opinion between the two of them. Do, do we disagree sometimes? Yeah. I mean, we're not the same person. <laughs> we're going to. That can be a pleasant time. It reminds you that there are a lot of ways to be successful in reselling. One person might approach things completely different than another, yet they both succeed. What works for one might not work for another. That's so true. Yep. That is so true. In the few months that I've been doing this, I realized that there are many ways to be successful in reselling. That aspect of the business has been really encouraging. I would also suggest checking out the Pure Hustle Podcast Discord on Patreon. It is a great community. Everyone has great knowledge 
and an eagerness to help one another. If you have questions, the answer is there. In addition, Mike and Orlando are very hilarious and keep me laughing with every episode. Appreciate that. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. And always remember, you are much appreciated. Secondhand solo. See, that's another person who said that I'm funny. I just need to keep telling my wife that, you know, that other people do think I'm funny. It's not just me. Yes. Maybe, maybe eventually she'll realize I think I'm you funny. told that joke. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, that's what I'm saying. Like this, it's, this is re- reinforcing that. Like I am right. There you go. Well, I'll read uh, one more. This is from uh, Keep It Neat. Uh, it said, uh, two educators educate on reselling. appreciate that. Uh, this is a really great podcast on reselling topics. I've learned so much and have really enjoyed it in the process. Mike and Orlando cover lots of topics that pertain to making money by selling stuff. These include sourcing items, both new and used, research, cleaning, photography, listing, customer service, packing tips and tricks, reseller news and items to be on the lookout for. A lot involved in reselling. Their enthusiasm and knowledge makes this an entertaining podcast. Thank you, Orlando and Mike, for all that you do. And thank you. And appreciate all of you that write these reviews, that support us on, on Patreon. We're grateful for all of you. So thanks so much. All right. It's time for our are you ready? Oh yeah. Are my notes okay? I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm as ready as I could possibly be without being ready, but I will be in just a second. No, hold but on, we're good. On, hey, on. you know, and I always love when people send hustle of the week and sometimes they send those pictures and like the pictures disappear. So the first one, it's from memory, but it's all good. Nice. Nice. All right. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. So our first hustle comes from Dean IG handle at Dean's underscore deals. Uh, so went to a thrift and came across a vintage Rawlings Ken Griffey Jr. bat. Nice for $3.99. Being a big fan was tough to list, but put it on eBay. Listed on eBay and sold the Ken Griffey Jr. big stick professional model at Drono Dog something. Uh, signed back with a certificate of authenticity within a week for $299 plus 99 cents and shipping. So from $399 to $299, like $3.99 to $299. Right? Like if that's if that's what I remember. That's that's crazy. <laughs> so I'm sorry. That's an amazing, yeah. If if it was more than that, even like no, no, like it was under 10 bucks and it was close to 300 Yeah. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um I agree. It could be tough to sell something that you're like attached to. This is my, this is a Ken Griffey piece. Here's the, here's my model. Here's what I always do. Cause it's, I think this is the best way to, to get rid of things or decide whether it's worth keeping. If I would buy it, if I had $300, would I buy that bat? If I was just mm. like, you know what? I've you got $300 great, right now. I'm going to go out and buy a Ken Griffey junior bat with signed or Cause that's really what you're giving up. You're it, there's mm. a, there's cost benefit there. So that's the best way I've found to like, do I sell this or am I not? If I'd be willing to buy it for what I could sell it for like right now, like I've got the money, I'm going to go buy it. If I would say, if I had that money, I'd buy something else then I'm selling that thing. That, you know what? That's genius. Cause I've had some stuff. My hustle of the week today that I'm going to share is something that I almost held on to, mm. but I, I was like, like, what am I going to hold on to it for? You know? So, Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dean. Uh, Dean's underscore deals. All right. So this is from Damien, IG handle, DMW buy, sell, trade, who I think I had a hustle of the week recently, like about a month ago, but I thought this was so good. I, I just, I thought I'd give him another one. So was at the bins and saw another reseller pick up an item after sourcing, did a quick lookup. So he had mentioned that in the bins, you don't look things up until after like you, it's so, have you seen those videos on TikTok? Mm-hmm. They are insane. The way people go after stuff. It's just wild. Uh, so decided, uh, saw that, did a quick lookup and saw that another reseller had picked up something that was made in Paris, offered the reseller $500. 
which is a lot of money because at the bins, you're only spending a few dollars. And the other reseller agreed, listed on eBay and sold a F. Lurie Paris professional oboe, you know, like the musical instrument with original case made in France for $1,620. That's not bad. Turning 500 and tripling that. That's great. <laughs> that's great. I can't believe that's a bin find, you know, and I got to tell you, if you're not following DMW buy, sell, trade on Instagram, you're missing out. There's, I, I tell them all the time, you have a hustle a week, like pretty much every single day on there. So definitely check it out. And also on our discord, we have awesome hustle of the weeks all the time on there. So, uh, check us out. So thank you for sharing Damien. Yep. All right. Our next one comes from, I'm, I'm going to butcher the name. I hate, I hate when I don't like know how to pronounce the way it's, from, it's said from the discord, but from our discord. So it's, uh, miss Moxa Moxie miss. Uh, so from Discord and what a great person. I mean, just always great insight and great things to to add. So I love having you in the Discord. So bought a bunch of items at a yard sale for $30, uh, paid about $10 for some Care Bear Pizza Hut glasses. Saw a few comps, but decided to take better pictures and price at the top with another listing. Such a good, good idea. Always do that if you can. Uh, so sold a set of six Pizza Hut 1993 Care Bear glasses for $167 plus and these are drinking glasses just yeah yeah. Uh, so that's that's such a cool thing because a lot of times you pass those on on that kind of stuff if it just seems like i've talked about glassware in the past and again a lot of it is um it's almost mass produced so it's not valuable Mm -hmm. for instance when i saw this on the discord i was like oh no because i i remember i had bought years ago um when the new one of the new star trek movies came out i bought star trek glasses from burger king Cause I was like, Oh, I like star Trek. I'm going to buy the yeah, star yeah. Trek glasses. And then after I got married and you know, we were going through stuff and I was like, do we really need these? And I threw them out. And then I'm like, did I throw away something worth, you know, like $167. And then I looked them up and they're only worth like 10 bucks for the set. So it, there's a difference between, even though these were pizza hut, so they were semi mass produced. This was from 1993. So there's going to be fewer of them still in good condition. Probably broke. And it's different. I think even like if you look back at the old stuff from, you know, McDonald's, you know, stuff that even though they were semi mass produced or mass produced, the quality was different or because again, it's so old, people weren't collecting them in the same way. Now it's like, you know, McDonald's puts out a new thing that's supposed to be collectible. And it's like, well, that's not really collectible. I don't know. Maybe in 40 years it will be, but uh, probably not. It's a long time to hold. It's a long time to hold. But yeah, when you can score something like that, Care Bears, I mean, Care Bears definitely has a audience. Maybe not as big. We've never really talked about like the My Little Pony. Like My Little oh, Pony. Yeah. My the Little Bronies. Pony, the Bronies. There is like a legitimate like cult following. So anytime you can find something like that where there's a, a semi cult following or a cult following behind a, a show or a brand, that's when you're going to do really well. So great job picking those up. All right. Well, what's your hustle of the week? So my hustle of the week it isn't isn't a big one. Um, it's not as big as you know several hundred dollars or. or and by the way, your hustle of the week does not have to be like a thousand dollar plus sale. Uh, but it, it's kind of like one of those things. It's almost like a semi bolo too. So I've I've, been, I've done pretty well over the years on watches, and I used to just always sell watches, just you know missing battery. I wouldn't even test them, like untested missing battery, and I would do pretty well. And then I've bought because I've done some you know technology work on on phones and other things like basically the kits to take things apart and watches are pretty easy to take apart and I have the small enough, you know, screwdrivers and stuff now. And I bought a whole bunch of, uh, uh, watch batteries and there's different ones, but I was able to get like a kit on Amazon of like, I don't know, it was like a hundred batteries and like 10 of several different types. And it was like 10 bucks. So it's not a lot of money to get these watch batteries. 
and you pretty much have everyone that you need in order to replace watch batteries. Uh, but even still, I sell I, a lot of my older watches that I've posted. I haven't gone through and, and, and changed that with. I'm just going to go forward doing that. But one of the ones that I sell often is Michael Kors watches and Michael Kors watches are, are ones that it's not high enough in that when you go to like a garage sale or an estate sale that somebody's wanting like, I want a hundred dollars for this watch mm. because they're, they weren't that much. I mean, maybe they were like a hundred dollars when they were brand new, but people are willing to let go of a hundred dollar watch that they bought brand new five, 10 years ago for five bucks. A lot of times, mm. not always, but if it was, you know, a coach watch or something that's like higher end where you're looking at obviously something crazy like Rolex, you're like, no one's selling those things for cheap. But Michael Kors, I feel like is like that middle of the road. It's still high end enough. It's not just like a Walmart watch, uh, but people are willing to let it go for cheap, but there's a market for it. And I, I regularly sell them for anywhere from 30 to $50. I recently just sold one for 30, 35 bucks. And, and I usually they're working, right? Because they're not like an antique watch. Right. Or yeah, yeah. Watch yeah. They're or always the working. Did. Yeah. They're, they're always working. Um, or uh, like I said, untested, but they just need a battery. And I've, I've never sold one, um, like just needs battery. And how did somebody say, Hey, I replaced the battery and it doesn't work. Mm. So I, maybe I've just gotten lucky, but these are, and there's other brands too, that I do this with, but Michael Kors is one of those ones that I would say every couple of months I run across a garage sale where someone's got two or three of them. And they've got them and they're like, I don't know, five bucks each. So $15 for three watches. And I can usually bundle it with stuff and talk them down to 10 bucks. And then I sell those three watches over the course of the year for anywhere from 30 to $50 a piece. And those sales keep coming in. So it's a hustle of the week because it was, uh, that watch is probably one that I got with a couple other watches for less than $5 or around $5, if that, and selling it for 40 bucks. And it's just like a bread and butter item that when they, those sales come through and they're so easy to ship. You know, throw a little bit of bubble wrap around it and uh, put it in a poly mailer. Off it goes. Yeah, easy peasy. It's cheap, and and it's easy to store. And those to me, those are the a lot of times the best hustles is when it's something that's easy to take pictures of, easy to store, easy to ship, and they sell quick. Those those are good hustles for me. Even though that's kind of like maybe the definition time, of a bread and butter. But over time, they're good. Yeah, so. uh, I'll take a five dollar to thirty five dollar, forty dollar uh, flip any day. There you go. There you go. All right. So mine is. Uh, I got to tell you, you do have a big one. This was, this was a hard one for me to sell. And just because growing up, I'd love mad magazine. Now I'm pretty bothered because the other day somebody was giving away a collection and they said, I might, if somebody really is interested, I might just give it away. Right. And so I messaged them and cause in the nineties, you know, I grew up in San Francisco and I caught the bus everywhere. I don't know if people, do people catch the bus? Like the kids, our parents, a lot like kids catch the bus at school. Yeah. I don't know. I've never let my they kid take the bus. Take a school bus, right? No, I don't even let my kid take the school bus. Mm. But, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of dead time. So I'd always go to my public library and I'd read Mad Magazine. Did yeah, I gain? Spy versus Spy, man. That was like, <laughs> that was my jam. All of those, man. And, and did I gain anything intellectually? Probably not. No, it's, it's kind of drivel. But it was a good time. It was a good time. And so I've always had like this connection with Mad uh, Magazine. And so then uh i had this haul earlier this summer and uh there was a lot of stuff in this in this home and i didn't know the value of stuff you know they, they're a great family and they were just like we just want to help you out and they just kept piling stuff on and uh i really didn't know what i had and i started doing some research and then i i there was this uh mad magazine so the character you know like the bucktooth character it's it's uh alfred newman okay and uh they had a plastic model uh kit to build an Alfred Newman, 
right? And it was from the 60s and you open it and it was it was complete. Like, you know, it still had all the plastic like connected. Yeah, the blister, blister packs or the, yeah, the the flashing. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything was, everything was together and. Unpunched. Unpunched, unpunched kind of, yeah. And I looked it up and I'm like, wow, these sell for good money. Like they sell for like three to 500 bucks. I, and I didn't, I was like, this is crazy. So I listed mine high. And I always love it, not when you make money, but and not only when you make money, but when you send it to a home that will appreciate that. So it was kind of interesting. I just want to share the interaction I had with this individual. So they it was up for three fifty, and they offered three hundred. So I took it because the highest I'd seen one sell was five hundred, but that one was like pristine. Mine had some purple stuff got on it, and there's just a couple like cosmetic wear issues, and the box wasn't like in the greatest shape, but you know. 300 bucks yeah and i only paid a few dollars for it probably and so um they messaged me and said is 300 the set price would you go to 275 and this is after i accepted the offer so they wanted a discount after and i was like okay do i just say sure because i don't want to lose that money or do i stand my ground so i stood my ground and i said that was the agreed upon price if you need me to cancel please let me know Mm, and i was like oh like they cancel it's gonna hurt but they said Okay, it's a go. I just sent payment. I think they're just trying to see if they get a little yeah, more. Yeah. And then they said, can't wait to receive it again. Ship with care, please. Do you have other mad items for sale? So here we go. Repeat buyers building. And I said, got it. I wish I did. This was a hard piece to let go, which is true. I just mentioned. I grew up reading mad. I come across anything. I'll let you know. So I always say, don't waste too much time messaging. But if you kind of build a connection with someone, it's worth having conversations. And so I said, I may have some older magazines, which I did. I've sold a few ma- older magazines and nothing major will definitely ship with care, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I said, thanks. No, it's going to a passionate mad collector. It will be part of a great collection. Uh, thanks for the purchase. I'll keep it very nice in a glass case. It looks awesome. Nice. And I was like, okay, if you're, if you have a glass case, you're a collector, you're a collector. Yeah. You're an enthusiast. Right. And so you're a mad enthusiast. So now, now I have someone I know that whenever I come across some, you know, vintage mad stuff, like the stuff I was hoping to come across earlier this week, I have a buyer. Yeah. And the hard thing is if they're already a collector, you don't know what they have. And so if you're like at a garage sale, you can't necessarily like wait for them to respond to say like, oh, I, want oh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. That's However, if, if, if you do that a couple of times and you can make those kinds of connections, let's say you're able to make connections with three or four different people who, who collect mad or collect star trek or collect you know care bears whatever it is then you can almost easily pick up whatever you find that has that stuff knowing that you can sell it to other people in case they're not interested but yeah you have that person that you can just message and say hey just want to let you know i've I've added this to Mm -hmm. my collection and then you've got that quick yes i want it and and even if they you have to sell it for a little bit cheaper to them if you have that and you have some of those people with like various like harley gear various things Mm -hmm. so when you have somebody like that uh, that you're willing to work with, man, you've got, you're set. So um, that's one of the nice things about niching down into one category is you can, or a few categories is you can really develop those connections with people. Uh, but even if you're not, if you, if every time you go out, you know, if I see something mad, I can pick it up because I've got a handful of people who buy it. And if they, all of those people aren't interested, it'll still probably sell to somebody else. Yeah. And then, so it's a hustle a week because it was incredible profit, but now I have a repeat buyer, which is going to lead to more profit. Right. So all right, that is our hustle week. Thank you, everyone. If you always want to, you can always leave a phone call too at the 619-738-1170 number. We love playing those. Uh, so appreciate all of you that share. Remember, there's a hashtag on Instagram, 
hustle of the week that you could leave there. And I look on there. That's how I found uh, one of these. The other one, somebody had direct messaged me. So always uh, find a way, you know, to share. And we'd love to share on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing we also like to share is how we keep our bald heads looking clean and crisp. Yeah. Looking so shiny, so bald, so beautiful. Um, yeah. The, the skull shaver has been great for us. Uh, I mean, I'm really a big on efficiency and I've talked a lot of times, so I don't want to like overrun, you know, this concept, but there are times when you buy cheap because you think, Hey, you know, if I just buy a cheap one, it does the same thing as the expensive one. And that's not always the case. And there is a lot of times like when you buy something that's quality, sometimes you pay a little bit more for it. And, and to be honest, skull shaver costs a little bit more than what you're going to do. If you walk into Walmart and buy mm -hmm. a, a foil based electric razor, which don't cut really close. Yeah. But you are going to have a really bad time shaving with a cheap razor and it's going to break. And over the course of a couple of years, you are going to be replacing that thing multiple times. How long have we been using Skull Shaver now? Going on like two, two and a half years. At least more than two years. Yeah, more than two years. And we have never had any issues with them. They work perfectly. I've never had the thought of, oh, I need to replace this thing. Uh, the battery is still lasting forever. And and so that's just to go. If you're a reseller, I know you're a frugal person or or wise with money. One of those two, right? Like you, you make wise purchases. And so if you're somebody who knows, you know, that you need to shave your head, buy a skull shaver. It's worth it. It's high quality. It's going to last you. Uh, it's easy. It's efficient. Uh, and we've, we've been super, you know, blessed to have partnered with them. So if you're interested, buy a skull shaver, use the code hustle, capital H hustle that lets them know we sent you. You'll get a little bit of a discount, uh, and it helps everybody out. And, uh, I'm sure you will not be disappointed. Uh, they probably even have a, a return policy. If you're not happy, I'm sure because it's such a good product. Uh, check it out. Yeah, and and we don't know how much longer that coupon code will be available, and we might even be switching up sponsors here in a bit. So hey, if know, there's somebody, the if there's somebody better than them, uh, I'd be shocked. But well, not not, not 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 to shave heads, but I'm just saying overall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. That's true. That yeah. Works. So you guys are probably getting tired of hearing about uh, skull shaver, but if you haven't got one yet, get on it because it's worth it. Yeah. All right. So when do you speed up? Right. You were talking about slow and steady. So spaghetti. It's slow and slow and spaghetti. It's spaghetti. And there, there are times I would say the first one is when you have the proper capital in place, right? You've been reselling for a while. You've been slowly building your capital and now you have the knowledge and now you have the connection. And now there's, you know, you end up getting contacted. Somebody says, Hey, I have a thousand department 56 items I'd like to sell. And you've sold a, a lot of department 56 and you know that certain ones aren't good money. And others are. And then you also go, you know what? They want $4,000. I have the $4,000. And not only that, but I have the place to store it. I know how to ship them. It, then it's time to speed up and make that book buy. Yeah. Yeah. Having your capital in place is that first part, right? Like having the money available. And we are not opposed if you're an experienced reseller, you know what you're doing, you know the niche you're getting into to taking out credit. In fact, most most successful businesses are running on credit in various aspects. I mean, that's how you you leverage credit in order to be successful. However, that's risky and you really got to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and that could be that part could of it too. It. Like having the capital could be having access to a bank where you're not getting like credit card level interest rates, but you're able to take out if you needed a loan on something that could be part of the capital too. Like either one, you've, you've developed enough of a savings for your business where you can tap in and say, Hey, I can pull out thousands of dollars and it's not going to impact my daily workflow. 
Or you can say, I have easy access to because I've developed relationships or I've already taken out loans with this bank at a very low interest rate. And so it's less risky for me to to pull out a $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 loan with this because the interest rates are low. I know I'm going to make recoup. But if you don't have, if, if your access to $20,000, if you need it, is a credit card with 20% interest versus, hey, I'm going to go to a bank and I'm getting 3% interest because I've worked with them. They know I pay them back. It's a business loan. My business has credit available to it. Those are two very different things. And so we're not against credit, but the ideal thing for the average reseller, if you're not at that place, is just being able to have the money in a bank account that you've been saving. If you are spending everything that goes into your business account on expenses and on paying yourself because otherwise you're not making it, then you don't have the cash flow available to make big purchases and make moves into scale. So the ideal situation is, hey, I've been able to go three, four, five months, and every month my business account grows by $1,000 or more. Now I can feel pretty comfortable saying, I'm going to pull $3,000 out of it mm-hmm. to buy this thing because I'm that's not going to impact. I'm already paying myself. I'm already paying all my expenses, and I have a surplus of money available to me. So yeah, when you're in a position where you've got a surplus or you have access to uh, low-cost debt, and you know you can pay it back. And again, we don't just recommend that. That's something you got to yeah. you got to be and, wise. I agree. I mean, there's also you know if you know people that could do a hard money loan, right? And I'm not talking about like loan sharks. Loan sharks. Yeah. No, but I'm talking about like legitimate. Hey, you, you know, you either pay it back or you get broken legs. It's fine. No, but there's example, I have. I'm still waiting for the day that I can buy out a store, like an entire store, because I have the ability to do that. I just haven't come across the right deal that, and I've had a couple offered to me, but it's just. You really, you know, again, it was places where I'm like, ah, I don't know enough. Like this, this could do me right now. And so I'm not going to go down this road. And I know the whole hustle culture, the whole, like, I'll never forget, uh, you know, one of those influencers, you know, we know who we're talking about would talk about like, if, if you, if you have a part-time job, like you're not an entrepreneur, if you're not against the back against the wall, you know, you're not actually hustling. And it's like, well, or you can just be really wise. Yeah. You're hedging some bets. Yeah, I know. And so you know, you got to be careful. And for me, you know, I have kids I'm raising. Uh, I have, you know, one of them that's in private school. I I have a lot of things that if I were to take major risk and things were to fall apart, it could ruin my own kids' lives. And I'm not going to do that. So you got to be wise about those, those things. And so this is why slow and steady. Now having systems in place. And I just kind of briefly mentioned that having your shipping in place, having your organization in place, uh, having an understanding of, you know, like I just mentioned about repeat buyers. Like I know if I have a major rain spooner haul, I could probably move all that within a month, right? I could maybe even move probably a quarter of that to just a few sellers that I have connections with that. I go, Hey, by the way, I just picked this up. I'm not even going to put this on eBay. Uh, I'll sell it to you directly. Right. Because then I don't have to pay for fees. I don't have to, you know, deal with all that mess. I can just directly just drop it off to them. Isn't that so cool? Like when I first started reselling, it was, I mean, I'd always wonder people who did uh, things like storage units or things like that. Like, how do you how do you deal with the fact that you're going to get stuff you don't know? But the longer you do it, part of those systems in place is just the network. And we've talked a lot about building a network. And when you know, like, hey, when I get big stuff, I can offload it here. These people buy these things. Hey, if I get trash, if I buy, do a big buyout and I'm going to have like totes full of garbage, what do I do with that? Well, I've already got the connections with, you know, these thrift stores will take these items as donations and these types of items. I already know how to 
load up a, a trailer and take it to the dump. And uh, if I get these, these go to these people. And the longer you do it, you develop those connections with those people. There have been multiple times where either you or me have contacted or I've contacted somebody and said, hey, uh, there's this deal that came up. I'm not interested in it because that's not my area. Would you like it? And the same thing has happened with other people doing sending us deals. Mm -hmm. So the more you do things like that, you develop the systems where you can grow and you can I, I'm not as worried now if I get certain items that I can't offload them or I don't know how to store them or don't like I've learned those things, but it's taken time. And, and again, I think a big part of it is do it slowly. Like some people try and put the systems in place before they're ready. And we've seen, we've talked to people on, on interviews where they've said, yeah, we bought a, you know, our 10,000 square foot storage unit mm -hmm. and uh, we were in an office space in there and we weren't ready for it. And it pretty much destroyed us or people who are like, we can afford that. We've got the cash flow for it and it allowed us to scale. And you have to be at that place where you can do that. If you are currently tapped out and you don't have room to take in a lot more inventory and you try and take in more inventory and get another storage unit, but you don't have the cash flow to pay for the new storage unit, mm -hmm. you haven't done the math, you could you could sink yourself. And that happens a lot of times with businesses. I think of Starbucks is a good example of this. And I'm not like, I don't know exactly all Starbucks numbers, but I remember where I grew up when Starbucks first started to, to really expand. And I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this where the, almost every corner there was a Starbucks. And the idea was we don't want people to have to make a U-turn. So across the street, there'd be a Starbucks on one corner and across the street, caddy corner would be another Starbucks. That is not efficient. It's not efficient. And, and the idea was, hey, everybody wants it. We can just keep growing and growing and growing. And over time, you start seeing like these Starbucks are shutting down and they overexpanded. And now their, their cost of overhead went up way more than they were making. And we can make that same mistake. We can think, hey, if one is good, two has got to be better. Mm -hmm. And maybe not. So you've got to have those systems in place. you got to know, can my cash flow, can what I'm moving actually support the infrastructure that I'm trying to build or the new storage unit that I'm going to be renting, whatever it is. And so once you have those systems in place, then you can move. If you're like, hey, I'm I'm already moving in the right direction and actually I can double maybe your storage units enough that you can say, hey, I can literally just throw another rack on top of all of my racks and now I've just doubled the amount of inventory I can handle and my costs haven't gone up at all. Yeah. So maybe you've got the system in place. Boom, you're ready to go. You can double up and you're not, you're not hurting anything. But only you know that based off of doing this slowly. And if you just make that decision rashly, you're going to be in a world or could be in a world of hurt. Maybe it works out for you. But well, I mean, one of the best interviews to listen to that we've done, and eventually we're going to get back to interviews is uh, Latin Pickers, right? They, they started slow, right? They started in, in their apartment. They actually had bookshelves in their apartment. Yeah. They had to do it out of a box van. Yeah. They were selling right. out of a box van for a while. Right. And they, they had to figure out what do you do? What do you do with the initially they're doing the thrift stores and then they learn how to do bulk buys and they had to re, figure out how to, you know, sell the books that they couldn't send to Amazon. Then they had to figure out, you know, sometimes they don't get only books, but they get a bunch of other stuff when they do these Gaylord uh, pickups. Where do they put that? You should check out the interview. It's fascinating. And now I think they have like three warehouses. Mm -hmm. They're, they're doing really well. So uh, check out the interview. But uh, again, systems are very key when trying to speed up. And the last time, and last one, last time, the last one here is when the opportunity arises. Right. I, I think there there has to be a time if you want to scale, especially if you want to be a full time seller where you have to strike when the opportunity arises. Like for me, mine was Toys R Us shutting down. Like that was a time where I had no options but to just move. Right. I had just I just uh, had resigned from my position as a full time seller. 
I was making full-time income, but I needed to make it steady. And Toys R Us started shutting down. And so what I did is I rented uh, a, a cargo van and I bought out tons of inventory from Toys R Us. And guess what? That allowed me to scale. But I had, it took five years of part-time reselling, building capital, understanding how to source, understanding how to negotiate, knowing how to make those deals. And I was able to do it, right? My other, my eBay side uh, haul in the beginning was Harley Davidson. I had sold a few Harley Davidson. I knew what they meant uh, as far as like, hey, you know, uh, 3D emblems, a great, a great uh, Harley shirt. Uh, the ones that really don't have a lot of graphics aren't great. You know, people want vintage. And I was a fairly new reseller, but I had sold a few and I landed on an estate sale. And at this estate sale, I spent 200 bucks but I ended up getting, I don't know, like 100 Harley shirts, 30 pairs of Harley jeans, boots, you name it, everything. Guess what? I made a killing. Why? Because I had the capital, which at that time, $200 was a lot of money for me. I understood what to sell. I knew how to list. I knew how to ship it. And I was able to make the move. So you have to strike when the opportunity arises. And I, and I have a bunch of hauls. I have a Hot Wheels. I have all these hauls I can talk about. But everyone has their story uh, that eventually after slowly building their eBay business, they had the huge buyout and that really took them to the next level. Yeah, and that reminds me of uh, when we did our Richest Man in Babylon. I, I was kind of quickly scanning through to find uh, a from quote. Our, from our library. There's a whole there's a whole story in here that that is connected to this, but this quote I think is pretty good. It says, opportunity is a haughty goddess who wastes no time with those who are unprepared. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is like, there's That's no luck. Quote. There's no luck, but there's opportunity. But opportunity is not going to sit there and waste time with you if you're not prepared for it. So all of these things growing slowly, what it does is it gets you into a position, like we talked about, building the infrastructure, making mistakes and learning from them to get to the place where when opportunity comes, you're ready to move on it. And it's not going to sit around and wait for you to, 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 to get ready for it. So if you've wasted time and you haven't learned and you haven't grown, you haven't got yourself into that position, when that opportunity comes, you're going to be too slow and it's going to be gone. So opportunities eventually will come for you, but you've got to get yourself, you've got to establish yourself into that position. You're not ready yet when you first start out for an opportunity because you don't even know whether that is a good opportunity or not. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you've set yourself up to be in a position where all of a sudden the opportunity comes and you say, this could be the score of a lifetime. This could get me through the next two years. Mm -hmm. This could, and you're able to jump on that. That's not because you got lucky. It's because you've set yourself up with knowledge, experience, infrastructure, systems, processes, knowledge, partnerships, all of those things that are required. So when opportunity comes, you're you're not too slow for it because it's not waiting for you. Agreed. Agreed. And so hopefully as you're slowly and steady building your business, you'll be able to hit that score that'll last you. It'd be nice to get a score that you go on for your... It, I mean, it's certainly good. I mean, I would miss the hunt, but it'd be kind of nice. But that's the thing is you don't have to stop. You don't have to stop going. That is you can true. have a score that, that lasts you years. And then you use that as the opportunity to double in size. There you go. There you go. So hopefully you're able to gain a lot today, whether you're a new reseller or an experienced reseller and you're like, I can relate to that, Orlando. I know what you're talking about, Mike. I uh, really appreciate all of you tuning in. If you haven't yet, smash that like button on the YouTube and I hope to catch you over on our Discord. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Peace.